All right, back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. We got a treat this morning. We got a Hockey Canada legend. Woo! We got a good Brampton boy on the line. And our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. That Hockey Canada legend is Rick Nash, also a former NHL forward, two-time Olympic gold medalist, two-time 40-goal scorer, and the current director of player development for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Good morning, Rick. What's going on? Oh, not too much. How are you guys? Uh, we're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good, geared up for uh, tonight's game. Uh, and I want I want to start there with the Columbus Blue Jackets and front office life. Uh, it's been a few years now since you've made that transition. Is everything still new? Are you a veteran in the boardroom now? How's the transition gone uh, from hockey player to hockey management type? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. You, uh, you know, you come into the NHL and you start as a rookie and you work your way up to have... Uh, you know, to become a veteran and then kind of, uh, you know, help, help the younger guys out. And then you walk into the front office and it starts all over again. You know, you, you're a rookie, but everything's been good. I've been doing our, uh, our development here in Columbus and following our prospects around and then trying to help them uh, to become a uh, Columbus Blue Jacket. Ooh, prospects. That's an interesting, uh, that's an interesting position to be in because uh, the Columbus, it hasn't been the greatest season for the Blue Jackets, but there might be a prize at the end of the rainbow with a guy named Connor Bedard. Uh, how much are you, uh, you know, tracking his progress, the next generational talent potentially in the NHL, but also a slew of prospects that uh, are, you know, ushering in behind uh, Bedard and look to be, you know, real difference makers soon at the NHL level. What's the process been like for you tracking an intriguing group of draft prospects this year? Yeah, so I get to catch some of those, uh, you know, prospects when when I'm traveling to see our our prospects. Uh, we have a kid, uh, Stan Swozil, that plays in Regina, so get to see Bedard a bit, and and had a kid in the Big Ten at Wisconsin, Corson Kuhlman. So uh, you know, got to see Fantilli and and all those guys. So it, it's fun to see, but I've only seen them a handful of times just because I'm in in development, and and we have amateur scouts that. Uh, you know, see them multiple times, but uh, it seems like an exciting time um, around the draft with uh, all these great players coming up. I know it's just been a few times, but you have, you do have Svozil, so you've probably seen Bedard, uh, uh, you know, uh, more than a hand, not maybe not more than a handful of times, but a decent amount of times. Uh, how much does he pop? Like, is is it worth the hype around Connor Bedard? Of course, of course, he's got the uh, the stats and he's got the highlights, uh, but do you see the entire package there with him? Yeah, it's it's interesting because with uh, you know I'm so fresh to this job and you know last year watching Kent Johnson at, at Michigan um, and then seeing him you know play eight or nine games last year and then uh, coming to the NHL I'm, I'm trying to judge you know from his Michigan play how that's going to translate into the NHL and and it's it's tough with some of the junior kids that you that you see and then in different uh, circumstances. I feel like um, once you've done it for a bunch of years, you can kind of project a little better. And, and I feel like I'm not quite there uh, just yet. But from, you know, analytics and numbers, obviously uh, it seems like it's going to be a very special draft. And, you know, getting to watch the uh, the World Juniors and having a, a few uh, Columbus Blue Jackets in there and, and following it, like you said, with Fozil uh, being in Regina. Um you know, he, you always can't wait to see how it translates, but it's it's tough. You know, no one has a crystal ball where they can they can see it, but uh, everything's suggesting uh, great things. 
whenever those young prospects make their way to the team, they get to play alongside Johnny Goudreau, which I'm sure this offseason was an exhilarating one. Courtship of him, um, the, the move over, and just the excitement around landing someone of that caliber. What was it like this offseason um, with the Johnny Goudreau sweepstakes? Yeah, there was a, uh, a huge buzz around Columbus when, when that all came together. Um, you know, we we haven't been known to get those uh, highly touted free agents, but uh, you know, it's funny the last few years, it, it seems like it's been, it's been changing and, and a lot of guys have been wanting to come play in Columbus. And, you know, I, I don't know, it's, it's, you obviously get a lot of Leaf fans up here when, when we play Toronto and, and um, you know, I don't know if you guys have been, but it's just such an easy place to live. And, and it's, it's, it's a great cost of living. Um, you know, we got Ohio state right downtown. So there, there's a lot to do. Um, so, you know, it wasn't too much of a surprise to us, but I think to the hockey world, it was a, uh, a huge surprise, but, uh, you know, we, we got a pretty good player and Johnny Goudreau. And how's the acclimation pro- uh, process been with him this year? Obviously the, the season hasn't gone, I think as, as many would have hoped, but, uh, there's a long journey ahead and how's the addition of him been for, you know, some of the stars and some of the young guys on the team as well to learn from someone of his caliber. Well, yeah, he's he's obviously played in a big market in, in Calgary and and has has been around for a while now, and I think that's important in uh, in Johnny's game that he you know he's not the young guy anymore. He kind of takes that leadership on and um, and starts helping guys like Kent Johnson and, and Cole Sillinger and Kirill Marchenko. Um, you know, he can have a huge impact on these guys' careers, and uh, you know, he I, I think he's getting that now, and obviously he's an assistant captain and and. Um, you know, a leader on the ice and, and in the room. But, um, you know, I, I think, I think it takes time sometimes when you, when you show up to a new city and, and to feel comfortable, um, you know, having a voice in the dressing room. Uh, it was a fascinating signing. Obviously it, uh, definitely was the story of the off season or one of the stories of the off season. Um, but it, you know, it, <sighs> It's interesting for the Columbus Blue Jackets because you guys were not necessarily... You're still in the process of turning over a roster from the Artemi Panarin era and trying to get back up to speed, trying to, you know, put all those draft prospects in place and build organically. But when you have the chance to install someone like Johnny Gaudreau, uh, you do it, I suppose. I mean, you, you you have someone that people can learn from and you can really kickstart the rebuild like the New York Rangers have when they got Artemi Panarin. So was that just more about, you know, it was always the plan to just bottom out a little bit and grow, but installing Goudreau gives you a chance to have a foundational piece. So when you guys are ready to compete, uh, he's already there. Yeah, as, as I'm learning, um, my third third or fourth year in the front office, you know, you, you, you talk about a plan and that plan can change on a dime. You know, there's no blueprint that you, uh, you follow along because things like that happen where, where, you know, a player becomes available or, you know, a trade becomes available. So it's, it's tough to say. And yeah, you know, we, we, we try to want to build organic and then do it through the draft. Um, but then you, you, you know, you talked about the Panarin situation and then sometimes those things happen and, and players leave, but, um, you know, I don't think there's one way to uh, to build a hockey team, and and again, I, I'm I'm obviously in development and just kind of following along Yarmo and and John Davidson and and, and seeing how they're uh, they're doing this. Um, but I, I think Johnny Goudreau is a huge piece to the puzzle that can uh, help us for a lot of years, and and mainly just you know he he he's a good pro, and and our young guys can learn to him because learn from him because that's obviously important as well. 
We're speaking to Rick Nash, former NHL forward, um, current director of player development with the Columbus Blue Jackets. So the Maple Leafs are facing the Columbus Blue Jackets tonight. I wonder in the season that you've been able to observe where the Maple Leafs rank in terms of scariest or more complete teams that you're going to go up against. Oh, well, yeah, from a skill standpoint, I mean, it's it's definitely scary. Um, you know, it's, it's fun to me being a Brampton kid and, you know, you growing up uh, a Leaf fan, you always kind of watch and, and see how they're doing. But um, it seems like they're, uh, you know, they're destined for great things. They have so much skill, so much talent. Um, you know, it's just uh, it's fun to watch, and they they uh, you know hopefully they uh, they have success. <clears throat> how since you've uh, exited the game, and that obviously only a couple years ago. How has the perception of playing for the Leafs changed? I mean, we were always tr- like trying to figure out why no one wanted to come here. And I think the truth of the matter r- really was that the team wasn't good enough. And why deal with the stress and all the extra stuff that goes into it when there was no prospect uh, really for success? I believe, though, when they started to turn things around, you were open to maybe coming to the Leafs in your final season or what proved to be your final season. Did did you see the shift in perception around this team while you were at the NHL level? And uh, did you ever want to be a Leaf? Well, I think I think there is a lot of truth to that, but I, th- I think it comes with um, anyone that's not from the province of Ontario. I, I truly feel like if you're a Toronto kid, you would uh, you would die to play for the Leafs and and wear the uh, the blue and white Maple Leaf. Um, but you know, I think kids from other other places in the uh you know in the US or you know even in Canada just uh, yeah maybe maybe that was a part of a part of the issue you know you're you're in the spotlight um you know you're in the you're in the capital of the hockey world and you know if things don't go well it's it's not an easy easy place to play and you know neither is you know Chicago or New York or Boston original six teams Montreal it seems like the uh you know the demand for excellence and for winning is is uh, is a lot higher, but I, I will say I think a lot of you know guys like Jason Spezza and, and you know other other kids, John Tavares that have that have come through that are Toronto kids that grew up there. Um, I mean that's that's pretty cool to have the opportunity to play for the Leafs. Someone they just added is probably feeling exactly the same way. Ryan O'Reilly at the trade deadline, a guy just outside of Toronto in a little hamlet in uh, in Ontario, felt the same way. Put the blue and white on, of course. What's what's a guy like Ryan O'Reilly do to a team um, headed into a postseason? Obviously, a proven winner, a veteran, and a guy that really bleeds blue. Yeah, I think you nailed it in your in your question. A, a proven winner. You know those guys don't become a, uh, available too often. So anytime you can get someone that's uh, that's went through, um, you know the whole the whole playoffs and, and came out with a ring or, or a cup is uh, is you, you can't really put a price tag on that. So you know it's huge for for the on ice stuff. And, and I bet you, um, you know, I don't really like to speculate, but I, I bet you it's even bigger for the uh, in the dressing room thing. So um, you know he's a proven winner. Uh, one of your former teammates, uh, Nola Chari, was also picked up by the Maple Leafs ahead of the deadline. Um, he, we've been really impressed by his start. We've uh, seen a guy who can drive play for a fourth line. Uh, it's been very, very positive, although he's dealing with an injury at the moment. Uh, what kind of guy is Nola Chari, and what kind of effect can he have on a dressing room? I know he was a little younger when you played with him, but uh, what did you see from Nola Chari in your overlap with him? Yeah, as I, I mentioned, um, you know, many times 
after my experience in Boston, that that was one of the tightest dressing rooms um, I, I've ever been a part of. And I was only there for three months or four months. Um, the way the leadership had, had that dressing room running was incredible. And, and there's a reason why, uh, you know, Boston seems to be good every year. And if um, <clears throat> Noel was a young guy inside that room, you just got to think of the experiences and um, and kind of the knowledge that he has from some of those great leaders like Bergeron and Chara and Bacchus. So, you know, Noel, Noel was a great guy. I enjoyed my time with him. Um, I think he's, he's a heart and soul type player, uh, a, a guy that you kind of hate to play against, but love to have on your team. So, um, you know, it, it's another great combo of probably a great dressing room guy and a great on ice. We hear that a lot about Boston, uh, maybe a frustrating amount uh, about how, the leadership is so strong and then how it runs, how the, how the room runs different than other rooms. What does that mean? Like how, how does a room run differently or more streamlined or more efficiently? Like what does great leadership actually look and sound like? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And it's probably hard to put into words, but um, you know, when, once the players take over the room in a positive way, now you, the players could also take over the room in a negative way and, and not listen to the coach. But this is where the coach is just coming in and, and he's just, he's just giving you the game plan. The leaders hold the rest of the 23 guys accountable on work ethic and execution of, of, of the game plan. And, and they have everyone bought in, you know, you got to remember when you're a leader, you're, you're dealing with 23 different personalities and, um, you know, some people need a, a fire lit under their butt and, and, uh, and other people need, um, you know, to kind of be uh, guided and, and praised to, uh, to excel. And when you have a leadership group that knows how to handle all 23 individuals with new guys coming in each year and you don't really need the coaches to, uh, to worry about that, I feel like that's when a, when a uh, leadership group has the room. And it's certainly showing results on the ice. Boston's incredible season this year. I feel like every time we come on a Monday morning, there's more records being broken. Uh, statistically, they're just, you know, outperforming everybody. Um, I guess that has to do with the locker room, but it also has to do with the on-ice performance as well. Just your take on what Boston's been able to do so far this season and if they have the ability to keep this going into the postseason. I know winning the President's Trophy, sometimes they say it's a President's Trophy curse, but it looks like they're well on their way to maybe breaking that this time around. Yeah, they've had an incredible season. Um, you know, they, they have a lot of depth there. They got a, uh, you know, a lot of players once a player goes down, they got to, you know, it seems like the next guy that steps right in just picks up uh, where he left off and, and depth in an organization is, is a huge thing to, uh, to have success. Um, you know, their, their goaltending has obviously been, uh, been very strong. Um, you know, a combo of different things. They, they seem to be buying into a, to a, to a system that's working. Um you know, it's it's kind of what you uh, when you work for an organization, you, you just watch and you wish that you could uh, get there someday. But um, it's been really impressive. So the Maple Leafs are, are kind of in a similar boat of just knowing what they're going to face in the playoffs, uh, at least knowing that they're going to face the Tampa Bay Lightning, still kind of battling for home ice. But nonetheless, we've been using the word meaningless in a sense to describe some of these games down the stretch. What's the challenge to playing some of these games where you know where the end is? It's six games away before you play the Tampa Bay Lightning, for example, in round one, and then having to turn it on for the playoffs. Like, what needs to change from regular season to 
boom, puck drop, game one. Now you have to go all out um, and try to make this a lengthy playoff run. Yeah, it's so hard because there's so many different things that come into it. If You know, if you're a little banged up and have some injuries, um, obviously you want to be uh, getting healthy for the playoffs. But at the same time, like you, these games, you just can't sit out and, and just, uh, you know, float through them because it's, it's tough just to flip a switch. There's only probably a few guys in the league that can actually flip that switch and turn it on for the playoffs. But you kind of want to be coming into the playoffs playing your best hockey. It's it's funny how so many teams have success that, uh, you know, just sneak in the playoffs in, in Nate's place or whatever it is and then uh, continue on to having a great playoff race because they were playing their best hockey at the end of the season. So it, it's a fine combination of coming in healthy and, and figuring things out so you're at 100%. But um, it's, it's, it's a tricky one, especially knowing uh, kind of your destiny already of, of who you're playing. We're chatting with Rick Nash, the uh, Director of Player Development for the Columbus Blue Jackets and, of course, a longtime NHLer. But I remember Rick Nash first and foremost for his heroics with Hockey Canada, scored so many brilliant and important goals. I wonder which is your favorite. Yeah, um, I I would have to say in in Vancouver, uh, quarterfinals, I scored a goal against Russia, which is is up there. That's mine too, Rick. uh, That's mine too. That was that was one of my favorite games I've I've ever played in. To to be honest with you, I mean the quarterfinal game against Russia, the place was just rocking. Uh, and then at the Worlds, I, World Championships, I scored one in the gold medal game that um, with a Finnish player on on my back. That uh, seems seems to still be pretty cool when I when I see it. But those experiences for Hockey Canada with Hockey Canada were some of the uh, the highlights of my career. Yeah, those are definitely two of the ones that jump out with the quarterfinal one and and just the 2010 tournament as a whole. Like, what did it feel like playing hockey in front of in that environment, in front of that crowd, with that pressure, the magnitude of everything? Uh, can you put that into words? Yeah, the pressure. You're right because I was there in 2006 when we were in uh, Torino, and obviously we didn't finish too well, and it was tough coming back to Canada that summer. Um, you know, it was just so much disappointment. And then, uh, you know, once we got to Vancouver in 2010, just think about the pressure after finishing seventh at the past Olympics. And, you know, we tried to downplay it a bit and, um, you know, just try to keep everything inside the room. But uh, it's it was more of a relief and like a weight off our shoulders. Once, once we won gold, it was... Um, it wasn't as much as a party as maybe Sochi was. I feel like everyone was just kind of drained from the emotional uh, stress. Well, it was uh, definitely one of the moments that Canadian sports fans will remember forever. And it's really, really cool that you were a part of it and you have your perspective. And that goal against Russia was a thing of beauty. Uh, <laughs> we appreciate the time. We appreciate the goal, too. That was awesome. But uh, more specifically, the time. Uh, good luck tonight. Uh, and hopefully we'll get to chat again down the road. Sounds good. Take care. Thank you. Thanks, Rick. That's Rick Nash, uh, former NHL forward, Hockey Canada legend, Brampton Boyd, director of player development for the Columbus Blue Jackets, and our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Yeah, you're Brampton, you're Brampton Boy. You didn't really mention that, you know, you were fellow Bramptonites. I think I said Brampton enough during, <laughs> during that I interview. I think he probably figured out this guy loves Brampton. This guy's got a thing for Brampton. We got a couple people texting, ask him about the London Knights. I'm like, ah, okay. next time. Lots of prestige Sorry. with Rick Nash, eh? Hey, he's Hockey done it Canada, all. London mm-hmm. Knights.
Brampton. Um, which uh where are they at here um oh they're third best odds right now to land Connor bedard chicago 25.5 percent anaheim 13.5 percent and then columbus at 11.5 percent chance to land Connor bedard if you had to pick out of those three teams for Connor bedard I mean, we just had Rick on, but I'm going with the Chicago yeah. Blackhawks. I mean, I, I think Oof, it's it's tough. Eh? It's ultimately the the landing spot where we'll see him the most, right? Like yep, that's true. we'll see him on national television in the United States the most Prestige if he plays for the Chicago Blackhawks. Blackhawks. It's important that that franchise is successful. I think maybe more so Patrick than Kane. maybe more so than we'll <laughs> say Anaheim. Uh, yeah, I think ushering in a new era in Chicago, I think, is important. And Columbus has its superstar with Johnny Gaudreau. You're right. He needs to all Col- his own. Columbus stardom. cost itself the other night. Big win in overtime, big-ish win in overtime. Uh, Anaheim and Chicago, I think, have both lost like eight or nine games in a row. It's been really rough for those teams, but intentionally rough. I don't know, like we were talking about it earlier, how much buy-in can you actually have on being bad? Mm. Chicago's played like they've been they've been respectable, Respect. but they're just so bad. Like they just tore, game they tore down so right much. Now. They don't have a Johnny Gaudreau. They tore down so much where they don't have any talent that can lift them up at all. You'd think Anaheim would have a little bit more, but they are a lost cause as well, especially with a John Gibson and that. It's uh that's as intriguing as a race as we have over the last Week and a half, two weeks of the season. Three teams right now have eight game losing streaks: the Ducks, the Blackhawks, and the Coyotes. And uh, maybe, the, maybe that's like a good way to pick your wake and rake picks, Matt. And last night was a heartbreaker for me. We hit both of ours. You got the first half money line with UConn on the spread. Was spread or money line? Whatever they were crushing. Spread, yeah. Then you have the over in the Blue Jays game, which <sighs> we know how that one went. So then it comes down to me and my Minnesota Wild who are winning the game with like a minute left, gets tied up, goes to shootout. And my whole narrative pick was that Marc-Andre Fleury would have a revenge game, but he wasn't in net, so I should have known right away that things are going to go south. And they lost the shootout, and it was devastating. And I apologize to all of you that had to see that slip from your bank account. <laughs> 35 seconds left. Vegas tied 35 seconds. I was watching, too. I'm like, here, here we go. We're going to get a wake and rake win to start the week. Boom, boom, boom. That's a good start, though. I think you're onto something, though, with fading. I mean, it's like it's it's hard to fade these teams at this point. Like we're seeing minus 400 prices in games involving Anaheim and Columbus and so on and so forth. But if you want to lay two goals, if you want to play puck lines, mm, so like I think I might Flames be leaning versus the Blackhawks tonight. I think I might be leaning Leafs tonight on the puck line. Minus 145 is where I saw it. Uh, the Flames, yeah, they're desperate. They're still playing like they they almost coughed it up against Anaheim the other night where they were playing very very poorly themselves but Anaheim just lets you back in so I don't know if the same can be said about Chicago I actually think as I mentioned like Chicago's been playing better they just can't win uh and I I I don't know maybe I don't want to lay two goals just because I don't trust Calgary right now all of our Toronto sports teams tonight are favorites Leafs Raptors and Blue Jays if you want to go an alternative and fade all of the Toronto teams on the money line. That's got to be a big number. Plus 7,800 <laughs> to fade Toronto today. Oh, the opposite of the Homer's Parlay. Five bucks pays $390. Wow. I'm just saying. Fade Toronto on a Tuesday. You could win big. If you want to do a Homer's Parlay, we'll put that 
together on the other side like, of the break. But. I would play that, but you say Kikuchi's on the bump. I, mean, I can't play that. You know how many wake and rake picks we have for Kikuchi strikeouts? We got to go for Do it. Do we? Okay. Tonight All is right. Kikuchi revenge game to everyone that doubted him. Let's get into them. Let's do it. All right. On the other side of the break, we'll do the wake and rake. We'll tee up Blackhawks. Oh, Blackhawks. No, Blue Jackets, Maple Leafs, Raptors, Hornets, Blue Jays, Royals. Very, very heavy Toronto sports night. Get your eyeballs ready for your viewing experience. All of that in the wake and rake. The best Blue Jays show out there, period. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. Okay, it's the moment you've all been waiting for. For over two weeks here, we had our bracket challenge, our hybrid bracket challenge, our creative bracket challenge, and we had over 200 submissions to play along for the NCAA March Madness Championship. And I have been tabulating and calculating the winner during the break after we know the winner of last night's game. And I tell you, it came down to this individual correctly picking UConn as the national champion, as that was worth four points. As it should. Tied for third slash second place. Chad Evans and Shane Palma. Congratulations, you are on the... Almost there. On the podium. However, in first place, winning by four points because of this correct Ooh. answer. Put him over the edge here. One in a route. Jack Sullivan. Congratulations, Jack Sullivan. Yes. You are our champion of our March Madness Bracket Challenge. You will receive the prize of Blue Jays tickets. That will contact you. We have your email. I will send you information that you need. But congratulations. Thank you for playing along our very first ever fan morning show, March Madness Bracket Challenge. Can we get an applause button for Jack? There you go. Congratulations, Jack. Thanks yeah, for playing out, along. Shout out to Jack. That's very, very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, UConn coming through for Jack, a pair of Blue Jays tickets. Uh, that's awesome. He also had a bunch of other things correct. It wasn't just that. Of course. But to put yourself in position, but you nailed the winner, and that's the most important thing. There were a few people that nailed the winner, but it came down to a couple other things. There were so many upsets. I only had nine correct points out mm-hmm. of, I believe, what, you could have like 30-something points. Justin had seven correct points. Yeah, it wasn't a masterpiece. Which means that I won. My brackets were brutal. <laughs> Really bad. But I did win. Congratulations to you then. No, no hey, Jays did Danielle tickets. and Josh complete it? Do you guys remember if you did? Because I can look at your scores too. Just so we're, you know, we're aware of the champion on our team. Well, Danielle, Danielle, Danielle did. The, he is the shark. So, Danielle, he, did you not win our actual uh, Sportsnet bracket? He did. Did he? So, he won he, the big he money. Pick, he picked UConn. <laughs> I think he won last year too. He did pick UConn. Yes, he deserves that. Plus 1,600 before the tournament. I mm-hmm. hope people bet that. I hope people bet on Sonogo to win the MVP yesterday. I feel like we d- gave some decent advice on the tournament, even though it was a complete nightmare. He says it was a down year for him as well, winning back-to-back. Yeah, that's tough, eh? He was, no he was, sympathy for you. He was pretty rattled the first Monday back after the first four days of action, oh, and yet he wins, he wins anyway. only had seven points in our 
fan morning show bracket challenge. Okay. So but I don't, he still I don't won feel what bad. matters, and I don't that's feel as fine. Bad now. So the champion is yours truly. There you go. Because Josh was scared to play. So shout out to Jack and Ailish and Daniele for winning the internal <laughs> That's right. real bracket challenge. So Jack Sullivan, congratulations. We will contact you. You are our winner. And we appreciate everyone playing. We had two, over 200 of you that wanted to play along. And see you next year. If you're listening now, too, get a text in. Yeah, take, your, Jack. take your victory lap. Take the opportunity, buddy. We have your email, though, so we will contact you. Definitely. All right. As we mentioned, three Toronto sports Teams in action, all of them, really. Are the Marlies playing? We should look that up, too. We can have four-leg Toronto parlay. TFC in action? Not without Joseph Wall. That's right. So, Leafs in Columbus. Raptors here are on the road against Charlotte as well. And then you've got Blue Jays in Kansas City. It's uh, a three-legged parlay that we could do. If you want to fade the Toronto sports teams, you can make some big money. But if you want to cheer for them all... If you add Leafs, Blue Jays, and Raptors all on the money line, plus 119, <laughs> yeah. it's actually sad. I was going to say, you know if Toronto sports is in a good spot when you can parlay three teams and it's only plus 119, but... Uh... You know why? Because the Toronto Raptors are minus 1,115 on the money line. I've never seen this in my life. Yeah, unfortunately, it's more about the opponents than it is Toronto sports teams specifically, uh, with Charlotte being as bad of a team as you can imagine in the NBA. The Royals not necessarily being a juggernaut, but uh, we're not going to... We're, we can't really. We're not in a position to throw shade at the at the Royals right now, but the Columbus Blue Jackets not in a good spot mm-hmm. either. So it should be a good night for Toronto sports. But what we were talking about yesterday, we're we're gonna do a live tour guy yes. with the the Rebels. We the are Renegades. gonna do a Rebel parlay. The Renegade parlay today would be fading I every might have Toronto put sports team. Just five bucks on it. And what was the uh, total? Plus seventy eight seventy eight hundred dollars. So for, <laughs> not dollars. So for, <laughs> That's how much you win. Pretty much. Uh, for a really bad Toronto sports night, uh, you could be ultra profitable. Okay, so maybe we can make our Wake and Rake parlay one from every one of the sports games, though. We can try that. It doesn't have to be, like, money line, but it could be, you know, Kikuchi strikeouts right now is a hot topic in the text line. Okay, let's, uh, let's can, just I, can I install the Leaf one? Yes. Can I put that in now? I'm just putting Leafs on the puck line. It's up to minus 160 now, which oh is a God, little... Oh, my God, Justin. A little we'll accept juicy. It, though. Are we? Yeah, 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 man. Do you want me to find something else? No, no, no. Go with your gut. We I need just a win. Think, uh, yeah, yeah, we do need a win. I think minus 160 is pretty good. Maybe we'll find some plus money elsewhere, but uh, the line is getting away from us steadily, but the line deserves to be that. Right. I mean, Columbus is a, in a bad, bad way right now, and the Leafs, I mean, maybe they will be load managing, but I don't think it really matters all that much. I expect a pretty big performance from the Leafs. And a pretty bad one from Columbus. So, puck line, Maple Leafs, minus 160. Okay, so let's go through a couple of these picks because I think we know where we're going, Blue Jays. Um, Ken on the 400 right now. Today's absolute lock for the Wake and Rake is Kikuchi over four and a half strikeouts. I love that everybody's on the Kikuchi train. That is that is tremendous. I love to see it. Uh, good morning, Corey from Port Hope here. Wake and Rake today is Edmonton and L.A. to go over six and a half. If you want to go MLB route, he's like he likes the Guardians minus one and a half against Oakland with Shane Bieber on the mound. I was looking up Kikuchi's stats in spring training. Arguably the only one who had better stats. There might have been two, but the but definitely better, Shane Bieber. So he's uh, in a good spot now as well. I will say Edmonton, L.A., I think it was like 2 nothing Edmonton last time they, they faced each other last week. So maybe they're tightening up a little bit because they might mm. play each other in the first round. But, uh, yeah, I mean, 
typically Edmonton LA is an over. Morning A and J. Today is the Toronto Parlay Day. I'm going with Scotty Barnes over 16 and a half points and Jay's money line minus 177. You say he's got something to prove tonight. Got feeling that's Courier Chris, who's currently in Hamilton. More Kikuchi love. Uh, this is Will from Niagara, if you didn't already know. Remember last year we talked about you better bet the over with these new rules. Every game went over last night. That seems... Hmm. Like a bit of a stretch, but maybe it's true. Insane amount of runs scored everywhere. That's my first ever wake and rake submission. Blue Jays over nine and a half. Even if you say has a killer night, I believe our big dogs are going to get straight tonight. Go Jays, go. Will from Niagara. Over nine and a half with you say on the mound. Just the Blue Jays over themselves. Team total over nine and a half. Here we go. Um, we got Ian saying Kikuchi over four and a half strikeouts. If he makes it out of the first <laughs> inning, he will. Ian, he will. Uh, I love this. Malcolm from Niagara. Morning, Justin and Ailish. Got a couple picks for you this morning. I like Chapman over one and a half bases plus 112. Oklahoma City, eight and a half points minus 110. I guess they're favored by eight and a half. And the beam team on the money line. Buddy, you were here last week when the beam team clinched. I was so excited. Lit the beam. You weren't around. I wasn't here. Did you? You brought your beam in? Did you light the beam from Costa Rica? I couldn't see it. I was lighting the beam the whole time in Costa Rica. All right. Uh, Ron and Jules, of course. Good morning. For today's anchor, I'm going to pick with Mikael Bridges over 26 and a half points. He has hit this over in his last six games. Jules will take Steph Curry over four and a half three-pointers. Duh. Steph has had a bad shooting night last night. It's so looking for him to bounce back in a must-win game. I think they might be getting the return. I just want to confirm that we might have a player additionally added to the lineup. For the here. Golden State yes. Warriors, we, I believe Andrew Wiggins yes, is making I'm just his double return. Checking that he might be returning tonight. Expected to, yes. There you go. He hasn't played since February 13th. Andrew Wiggins, Vaughn native. Help. Shout that out Vaughn. Uh, and last one, Eric from Burlington. Good morning. Tonight, I like Kikuchi over strikeouts. Yes. And also, his over walks. Okay. Oh, okay. So not a lot of balls in play with Kikuchi for the most part. If he's good or bad, uh, that sounds like a decent handicap. There's enough. Kikuchi strikeout love okay, here we for have to go it Kikuchi to be strikeout. automatically slotted into the parlay. Let me go load it up right now. Kikuchi strikeouts. Where are you? There he is, Kikuchi. It's four and a half? Yep. Yep. Done. Locked and loaded. Okay. Okay, so we got Leafs. We've got Blue Jays. If you want to do the trifecta and the non-Rebel trifecta, yes. you've got to go to the Raptors. Is there anything that sticks out to you? So That's the toughest one. I know. A lot of pressure it's on fine. you. It's fine. It's no problem here. <laughs> Raptors on the money line. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Um, okay, so what's been go- good really uh, late? Wow. <laughs> what's been good lately has been Jakob Pertl over rebounds. I know we hit that quite a few times. Trying to think tonight. They're playing Charlotte. Like, how do you even judge this game if they're minus one million on the money line charlotte's like uconn like it's all young guys it's really really like they're playing inspired they're playing with a little can we not expect him to get over eight and a half i think that's a decent play he seems to be distributing the ball at a high level right now if he just dropped 20 dimes but also can you take advantage from a playmaking standpoint a little bit more against a young team without all that experience Mm -hmm. using purtle using siakam I mean, it makes a lot of sense to go back to the well with assists, given that it's the same team and Freddie just hit a record. He might be inspired to uh, keep that train rolling. Okay, so between Freddie over re- uh, assists, which he just crushed, or Jakob Pertle rebounds, because that's been pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. 
Let's just go with Fred because there's a lot of noise right now. I think he wants to shut Fred it. Fred doing a couple interviews. We yeah. might have to get to that tomorrow. Fred was a. The, a busy the boys man. are chatting. I'll tell you that. Oh, Jules just texted and said that he's not expect. Wiggins isn't expected back till later in the week. Okay, it's okay. Either way, somebody now said Fred will only play three quarters though. Why would he only play three quarters? He'll probably be up by forty six points that's, going into that's the fourth. That's an assumption. Didn't happen that way last game. Charlotte was hanging around. All right, let's do it. Maybe Pirtle's safer. No, I'm good. Fred over eight and a half assists. All right. Because we're betting our big guns tonight, Fred and Yusei Kikuchi. So let's put together this parlay. And uh, just a second. Got it. Almost. Okay. It's in. We're ready, folks. This is our Toronto parlay. Maple Leafs on the puck line. Freddie over eight and a half assists and you say Kikuchi over four and a half strikeouts altogether plus 477 on your lay. You can also go the fade Toronto route if you want to make some big money and also feel like the world is burning down. You can do that too. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm shocked by that Raptors line. Hornets money line at like plus 700 is pretty wild for a regular season game, but it is an important one for the Raptors who are trying to solidify the eighth seed. And they've got some heavy hitters around the corner with Boston and Milwaukee to close out the schedule. Uh, I want to talk about something that we mentioned a little bit with Luke Fox in the 7 a.m. hour, Mm -hmm. which was the possibility of Austin Matthews maybe playing with Callie Yarncroke and... Michael Bunting, an important game, Sidney Crosby style. What are your thoughts on that? I really like Yarncroke and Matthews right now, and I just want to keep him happy. And I don't know if Michael Bunting is the right fit for keeping him happy right now. Really? Yeah. Because Michael Bunting has been, you know, they've been basically moving in lockstep for the better part of the last, I'd say, 16 mm-hmm. months or so. Why not Mitch Marner? Well... The Mitch Martyr influence is strong, right? Mm-hmm. And it's strong on Austin Matthews normally. Although Austin Matthews is the one more capable of driving a line right now. I'm uh, like... It, the, so we, you're on board for this one? We talked about... I think it's worth experimenting. Let's see it. If the, like, if Well, ca- this is all we do is experiment. It, like, Yeah, I, I think, again, I'm, I, I don't want to talk uh, out of both sides of my mouth here in terms of like, okay, you got to do stuff that's going to be repeatable in the playoffs, mm-hmm. but also you should experiment. But... I feel like you have to be hyper-aware and hypersensitive to the fact that John Tavares' game is slipping a little bit. And who does he need to play with? We've talked about it ad nauseum. He doesn't work well with William Nylander. It's not a slight against either guy, but connectivity is an issue with them. Nylander can perform well on that line, but he kind of does it solo. And Tavares has trouble. Sheldon Keefe just said it. He needs his wingers to get him the puck. Maybe that's not how those two pieces fit best. We've seen Mitch Marner play so well with John Tavares. We've also seen them not play so well together at times as well. But when Ryan O'Reilly comes back, I think the decision is, it starts with him, but I think it hinges on Tavares. Are you trying to help Tavares with O'Reilly or Marner? If it's Marner, it leaves Austin Matthews with questions. If it's O'Reilly, maybe it leaves the third line with questions, and maybe you have too much in that top six with Nylander, O'Reilly, and Tavares maybe giving you not enough, I don't know, grit, forecheck. I'm not sure what that might be, but I think there's a lot to play around with still, and with O'Reilly coming back in the lineup sooner than later, I think it's worth seeing if you can kind of spread the wealth. Maybe O'Reilly plays on the third line with Nylander, 
and Tavares and Marner on the second line. And Austin Matthews carries the weight on the top line with two guys that he's shown chemistry with. Bunting is better. Bunting is only really effective mm. when he's playing with Austin Matthews. Cal Yarncroke has been so good with Austin Matthews, and Matthews wants to play with him. If those three can carry a line together, and Matthews can just kind of play more in a silo with help at his wings, maybe that's the best position to put John Tavares in, and maybe William Nylander and Ryan O'Reilly could have something on a third line where you're just Oof. completely spread Where's out. Where's Nyes in all this for you? Nowhere. No. Wait, he's not in there the yet. I want, I, want to see if, I want to see him play before the end of the season, but mm-hmm. I'm not putting him into the... I'm not just circling him, Hobie Baker nominee, game one lineup. I don't, like, you have to see something are. first. I agree, but... I think he'll he'll be put in this and lineup. If, and if I had to put him in that lineup, what about Nyes O'Reilly, Nylander? Third line. It's really good. I mean, that's a pretty great line without knowing how Kurt, Matthew Nyes and Ryan O'Reilly are going to step into this team after not playing. Well, I'm, right? I'm, I'm not banking on Nyes. Like, I don't know. I'm banking on O'Reilly. You got to bank on yeah. O'Reilly, 100%. But if it's that, that leaves Tavares, Kerfoot, Marner, Yarncroke, Bunting, Matthews. Like, it's, it's hard to nitpick with that top nine. I really, if, I just want to see Matthews' influence can still be very strong. Yeah, I'm still Marner Matthews connection for me. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing with Tavares then? Load management. What are you doing with Tavares? Game one, stand on a hill, die on it. Him and Nylander. We're going back there. Yeah. What didn't work last year? You say it's it reluctantly. It's a new year, new team with Kerfoot too. Uh, see, I just that made my tummy upset. But. So I'm I'm planning to rewatch. Okay, so yeah, go ahead. No, 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 that's good. I'm planning, planning to, to I'm, I'm planning to rewatch last year's. See, I was thinking playoff. about doing that, but I'm like, I don't want to be jaded by it's different. <laughs> it is different, but it's not that much different, right? These teams are still you know largely made up of the same pieces, and I just want it for reference. I'm not going to make any grand you know judgments, and I'm not going to be like so you know, blinded the fact that things can change and there are different variables going on here. But I want to see Mitch Marner, or sorry, William Nylander and John Tavares play together in that. I want to see it again in that matchup. Like how much did it not work? I know, I know John Tavares turned it on by the end of that series, but it was an issue early in the series. And I just feel like after it was so clear that that was one of the pieces of the downfall, if you just go back, you just shrug your shoulders and go back to Kerfoot Nylander and Tavares, something that clearly didn't work. I think that would be such a mistake. Here's a text from Joe from Hamilton for setting playoff lineups here. Tavares, Matthews, Nylander, Yarncroke, O'Reilly, Marner. I mean, that's completely off the board. I think, did he just name names or did he? He might have. What does it look like in the text? Does it's it look just, like a line? It's just names. <laughs> it's just, oh, that's the top six then. I don't know. Is it alphabetical order? No. It's not. I appreciate that for Joe. Use this enter button. I could see them lined up there. I I definitely want to see Ryan O'Reilly on a third line right now. Okay. I want to see three center depth. That's what we talked about when he was started with the team. I think we saw it a little bit. We saw it that game one all screwed us though because he got a hat trick or whatever on this first night, right? No, third night. Third night. Oh, yeah. Sorry, that one game where mm-hmm. we were all fired up about it and it looked good. This is the Ontario line, remember? And then right. he hasn't been in the lineup for a while. But I think you start him on the third line. He just missed X amount of games. I think I want to see a little bit of forward center depth. But and another key to that, it was it was Mitch Marner on that line. It wasn't William on Nylander. the Ontario line. Yeah. So, like, <sighs> I, we don't even know what that looks like, right? We don't know mm-hmm. what 
Tavar, we know what Tavares O'Reilly can look like, but there are issues with that. Foot speed would be an issue with that line. So Mitch Marner was kind of the key to that in that he could get back defensively. He can turn over pucks. He can forecheck. He can be the first man into the zone. There are a lot of things that he brought that maybe Willie doesn't bring in the same way. I mean, there is a lot to consider. I think we'll see it when O'Reilly comes. We'll see yeah. sort of some plans being I hope that's put in tonight, place tonight because it would be a nice way to step into the lineup tonight before you play Boston Bruins on Thursday. If O'Reilly doesn't play, I would love to just see Matthews yarn croak bunting. Just let's just see it. Okay. Let's see how Matthews looks like that. Looks in that scenario. We've seen it a couple you times. You think he's going to get a load management night? He might. I mean, Marner got one. Geo's got them. Tavares has got one. Hasn't Matthews been kind of load managing himself the entire season? Yeah, I just, I'm, I'm curious how they do this for the next two weeks because we talked about it. It's not like things aren't really set yet. I mean, you're what four games up on Tampa with a game in hand, but you do play Tampa and you play Boston, and you've been known to lose games to Montreal Canadiens and Columbus. I don't, I just don't like the coasting. Makes me nervous. You okay. Know? Yeah, it makes me a little nervous too. But I, I feel like they can't not coast until O'Reilly comes back. Like, okay, let's if it's Boston, O'Reilly's mm-hmm. back, let's put something I see, I see your point let's put that. something real and see what it looks like against elite competition in Boston. So hopefully O'Reilly gets back by Thursday. Well, we're going to find out about Ryan O'Reilly most likely today, at least an update on him. We'll find out about Matt Murray probably, an update from him. Um keep an eye on the Leafs PR Twitter account because that might just tell you what the situation is in terms of if we see Joe Wall for the rest of the stretch, if the Matt Murray injury is as bad as it could be, um, obviously don't hope that's the case, but things don't seem super confident here. Here's a text in. Marner, Matthews, O'Reilly, Spezza, Tavares, Nylander. <laughs> my, uh, my buddy sent a text to us the other day. Uh, his sister was in a coffee shop, and Jason Spetz is just, hey, in the, I saw this. just in the corner with perfect posture. Derek Ball. Yes, yeah, in the corner with perfect posture, working yeah, away. I like, saw that on social like media, That's the too. life of Jason Spetz now. I was like, that's that's amazing He looked me. so proper. What's he doing in the coffee He's shop? He's just chilling in the coffee shop on his laptop, scouting or player developing. Just doing his thing. Maybe him and Rick Nash have, are sharing like, notes. I would think he's famous enough that he can't just go to a coffee shop in Toronto. You'd think he'd be bothered. Like, if he's actually doing work, you'd think he'd be bothered. Would you have said hello? Uh, probably not. I let people, uh, you know, be. You said, hey, can I get you in the family? If he looked show? at me, I'd probably, like, give him the old Oh, you nod. think he, he'd look at you and... Well, if he looked up, I would acknowledge that Jason Spezza's there. Mm. I probably would But not, you did I it would, when you saw... I would resist you did it when you saw Giordano him. shopping at Sherway Gardens at Christmas I didn't do time. Anything. I didn't do anything with Giordano. Mm. I wanted him to enjoy his shopping experience. As he should. As he should. All right, we got... Lots to tee up tonight. Um, as we mentioned, a triple header for Toronto sports. What's your viewing preference? How are you doing this tonight? Ooh, it's a big one. It's a good question. Uh, Main screen staggered, right? Uh, at least no, a little bit. No, we had seven and seven um, for Leafs and Raptors, and seven forty for seven forty. Yeah, seven forty is important. It I will... need Kikuchi main screen, baby. No way, it can't be Kikuchi, Kikuchi main screen. Kikuchi main screen. Kikuchi on the laptop. It, I, it no. might be a night off for the Toronto Raptors. It might just be commercials. The <laughs> it might be. It might have to be. I mean, of all games that really mean something tonight, it's Kikuchi and the Kansas City Royals. That, that's, yeah, that's... Uh, Main screen Kikuchi. It's probably, you're right. It's probably number one, yeah. which is crazy because respect. it's game five. But with Columbus and Charlotte, it's just like, come on. That's right. All right. Maple Leafs, Columbus, 7 p.m. Raptors, Hornets, 7 p.m. 
Blue Jays, Kansas City Royals, 7.40 p.m. on Sportsnet. Sportsnet 590, the fan streaming wherever you get your Sportsnet stuff. We'll be back to break down the trifecta of Toronto sports tomorrow. We're going to start our Masters coverage as well and make our picks for that. See you tomorrow.